Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Well, I think I'm going to let you just take it away from your perch in the Digiverse. Okay. Well, we were talking yesterday in the DMBXR about use cases for NFTs in regards to that real estate transaction story. Yes. We have another use case story today. The Pacific nation of Palau is kicking off a digital residency program where anyone, anywhere can become a crypto citizen. The program is called the Root Name System, and it works like this. For $248, anyone, anywhere can apply for a limited edition NFT ID card, enabling them to use a Palauian business address, apply for a certificate of legal name change, and open online accounts to trade cryptocurrencies. The applicants will not automatically be able to reside there, nor will they be able to open a business there or become a citizen. However, the use, the digital ID cards could prove handy for Chinese and other investors whose governments don't allow crypto trading. Oh, there are, there's definitely coin that you're not allowed to buy from here. Yeah, you, you can't buy from up, some platforms. Yeah, yeah. so you have to set up an address in a, in a different country. That's great. That's really interesting. Yeah, it's very interesting. They say the problem that they're trying to solve is overcoming geographical boundaries that stand in the way of a new generation of global digital existence. Well, they're, yes, they're saying welcome to the metaverse, but I think they're trying to exploit for $250 what you could just set up. I think you could probably do it cheaper. Absolutely. I'm fine with it. It's fine. Good. There's Good some enough. currencies that I was interested in buying that I've yeah. had a hard time finding on platforms that U.S. citizens are allowed to. So through yeah. this mechanism, I could get those currencies. I don't know. And, and were they ta- whatever. in that Zoom call, were they saying how the know, know your customer laws can interfere with, with what you buy too? So like if you have this kind of a, a digital citizenship, maybe you don't always have to comply There was a story that we talked about with the Know Your Customer Laws. I think we did talk about that in the Zoom also. I don't remember the specifics of it. All right. Well, let me tell you about some stuff that's happening in the real world. And of course, (laughs) with the stuff that's happening in the real world in L.A., you kind of want to just fall back into the metaverse, I can tell you. So California, the California Department of Health announced on Monday that the statewide mask wearing requirement for vaccinated people will be lifted on February 16th. This is part of the stuff that you've been talking about. And that would be for most indoor public spaces. So that's next week. Masks will still be required for everyone in schools, which is the last place they should be on public transit in healthcare facilities and in airports. So I guess that's just basically means the grocery store. That's the only place I go. And I don't understand, are they going to check vax cards for people who aren't wearing masks? That's kind of weird. But it doesn't matter. I will probably never know because L.A. County will still maintain its own local regulation requiring indoor mask wearing for at least several more weeks, which was kind of a lightning rod issue when both California Governor Gavin Newsom and L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti were pictured at the NFC title game between the Rams and the 49ers at SoFi Stadium in Englewood on January 30th without masks. So 
they are suggesting the LA County, I don't know if it's a board of supervisors or the health department or whatever, that they could designate moderate spread or something if the seven day new case rate is less than 50 per 100,000. Now, it's been plummeting here, but it is still a thousand per 100,000. So that would be uh, like a, a whatever. It would. It would be one two hundredth of what it is now, and that could basically take forever. But there is a silver lining because they said they would consider lifting the indoor mask mandate once COVID vaccines are available to children under age five, <laughs> which could be by the end of February. They said they'd wait eight weeks for the, that to kick in. But it seems like they are still pushing that vax mandate. They just won't give up on it. I personally feel like every time I've seen old vaccination success stories from smallpox to polio, the the incidence of the disease was already plummeting when they introduced the vaccine and the vaccine did not seem to accelerate that downward trend. So it seems to me this coronavirus is a winter cold. They could have expected when it was going to spike. They can uh, tailor their policies around that. And then obviously they're continuing to push this on the kids. A couple of related stories. American Federation. Go ahead. That story, the so your county is going to continue the mask mandates. That kind of is what I was referring to yesterday, where they're going to see who continues wearing it. Not only which counties are going to continue wearing it, but which people and which businesses will choose to have the mask mandates themselves. But also what this does, because this is the scaling back is against the CDC recommendations. So the CDC say, no, it's too soon to scale back Biden administration. So what that does is it puts the Biden administration on the side of the people they have previously been against. So now people are going, yeah, scale it back. Like the Biden administration says, not, not that people are saying that, but they're they're of the same position now. Yes, please scale it back. And the Biden administration can now be like, see, we're trying to scale it back against the CDC recommendations, just like all those right right wingers were. I think this is another play to make them look better for the 2022 election cycle. Yes, I agree with you that that is an element of it for sure. We got just to your point, we got a message from Chris in the UK saying all restrictions will end here in the next couple of weeks, even isolating after testing positive, which is amazing. (laughs) However, the media still attack Boris about his parties more than ever. Uh, Police investigations are being launched. I think the UK is a testing ground for the, quote, elite. They are testing to see how we react, whether we want our freedom back or call for Boris to be punished and that he's acting rashly. It's quite clever. Idiots will call for punishment, not look at the bigger picture. I think that they are exactly right about the UK in this Rockfin deep dive we're going to do tomorrow. They talk about the UK's restrictions. They talk about America is not, we're not quite up to the standards that the UK is at yet. And it sounds very much like an experimentation and a testing ground. So that's a very good insight. I've always felt that given how the types of vaccines are being rolled out. Like we get the mRNA, they were getting the DNA. J and J has always taken a backseat here. They have to make it look like there's a DNA option or something not mRNA. But Johnson and Johnson is stopping making their vaccines, COVID vaccines, at least in one major production facility. I think in Sweden or certainly one Norse country, and in the UK they uh, approved Novavax, which is the conventional vaccine. So it feels like that part, that phase of the experiment is over. They're no longer signing people up for phase five experimentation. But um, 
So the American Federation for Teachers, President Randy Weingarten, suggested on Tuesday that in order to end masking for students and teachers, the spread of COVID needs to be low enough so that there's no transmission in schools. Now, schools is where everything gets spread, and coronavirus is the winter cold. And given that they just call things variants, it could be that every winter cold, every coronavirus forever will be considered a variant of COVID-19. I mean, they're all beta coronaviruses, and that's how, depending on how broad a spectrum you take a genetic sampling, you're going to find most over mostly overlap. I have two more things. Yeah, they can just pull a virus test out and claim that it's some sort of variant and then re-implement some sort of whatever they want to do. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, there's no way you're going to get no transmission in schools of a coronavirus. It's just not going to happen. It's absurd. So here's a – so just to understand what this lockdown has done to kids who were never at a risk for getting it, according to the official documents, like in any – numbers greater than what they ordinarily would have gotten. This is a CDC study. Suicide attempts among girls between 12 and 17 have increased 5 51% from February and March 2021 compared to the same period in 2019. 50%. It says during 2020, the proportion of mental health-related emergency department visits among adolescents aged 12 to 17 increased 31% overall. And that it says while the uh, suspected suicide attempt emergency department visits were 50% higher among girls aged 12 to 17, as I just mentioned, from 2021 compared to two years prior, among boys of the same age group, suspected suicide attempts increased only 3.7%. Really? So, yeah, so boys were not affected by this. And although our situation wasn't dire like that, I can, it was definitely clear to me that the impact on the teen girls was way stronger than on teen boys. But that's a, a multiple of over 10 times. Really? So, I, I wonder why that is. That's, that's an interesting statistic. I don't know. I mean, I, I really think it's that, honestly think it's the TikTok brainwashing. That's thing. what I was thinking too. Is yeah. The, boys don't do it. Right. Don't use that. They do video gaming, which is social. TikTok is FOMO. Gaming is social. So I saw this story the other day that was about how teenage girls are under lots of stress trying to make better and better sexy TikTok videos because they're yeah. comparing themselves to the and, others on the platform. And you know what I think? I think that they looked at how how effective porn was on grabbing boys' minds and they know how vulnerable, how what makes girls tick and they... They kind of tapped into that porn thing, but girls don't aren't attracted to porn because they want to they want to be the object. Right. I should say that sexy was the article's word and not my yeah, yeah. reference. No, that's what it is. And and that's the thing. I think that, you know, now, now that you mention it, that if you did want to get girls engaged in that kind of porn thinking, you would have to appeal to them as being the object of it and not the subjects of it like not the actor like like guys will watch it and fantasize about being in that situation girls want to be thought of as sexy yeah it's it's not about the sex it's about the sexy 
Yeah. For girls. And and a lot of it's FOMO and a lot of it's inclusiveness, exclusiveness. They're very social. I really don't understand how teenagers work. I, I'm just not good at psychology and sociology. It's just not my thing. But I remember when I was a teenager feeling really insecure. I didn't know what to do with it. I could have just brushed my hair once in a while. But I really didn't wasn't good at any of that, looking good or any of that. And I don't know... I, you know, they are so clicky and catty and stuff. And I just, mm-hmm. I imagine that these social media things enhance that and being in like exclusive pods orchestrated by the parents, not, not, it, it's definitely going to exacerbate those kind of problems. Yeah. And you, you're making your videos and then you're going to school. So you're going to school with people who have this TikTok presence. Some of them might have a large TikTok presence oh, and yes. they're making these sexualized videos. So yeah. you're seeing the person in the video down the hallway or at their locker, I think that could probably also increase some of this FOMO or just some of this weird tension going on with teenagers. Yeah. And I think that that popularity, online popularity can carry over a little bit, give you a little bit of celebrity status and make it even. They, they said that about Facebook way, way years ago about it, 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 it encourage this like narcissism thing and people like lost touch with reality but really cared about their image. And uh, anyway, it's not healthy. But what is healthy is the L.A. sheriff is refusing to fire 4,000 of the workers in the sheriff's department. And uh, there are 18,000 city workers overall who are at risk of being fired for not getting a vaccine. He says they give a testing option and he will not enforce the firing rule. He said they're down 1,200 people already because of just uh, hiring issues and there's a crime wave so he's not doing it and the board of supervisors is voting on and i think they may have actually decided already to do it to take away his responsibility to enforce this of course this is what the sheriff does and it is a kind of regulatory nullification in the hands of the sheriff who was he was a an elect he is an elected official alejandro villain wave Nueva is an American law enforcement officer serving as the 33rd sheriff of Los Angeles County. He defeated incumbent sheriff Jim McDonald in 2018, making him the first to unseat an incumbent sheriff in over 100 years. So this guy obviously has some kind of popularity or the other guy had terrible popularity. And this reminds me of what PQ said in that great conversation we had with him recently, that the sheriff is the most powerful elected official in the country. And the L.A. Sheriff's Department is the third largest law enforcement entity in the country. I really hope that he can dominate these people. He certainly is sensible. I like the way he talks. I love it. And the Riverside County Sheriff, too, won't enforce these laws. I just love it. It's just so great. Yeah. And to try and Force somebody to fire 4,000 employees, especially in the middle of a crime wave in Los Angeles. That is absurd, yet I'm sure that a lot of news outlets are going to paint his position, the sheriff's position, as being the radical when he's just trying to keep his employees so he can do his job. I told you that the only action besides writing that religious exemption stuff that I took during this time, although there may be more opportunities for me to do so now, it looks like the people are kind of finally... Uh, motivating. But I wrote a letter to the city hall in this little town. I mean, it's a small town and they were going to do that. And I wrote them a letter basically saying like this hereby notifies you 
that you are warned that this the jury's out on the impact of this stuff. And now that you know, if you start enforcing this, you are opening us up to liability. I don't I actually don't think they fired it. I think enough people stood up. And that's why I think it is valuable to have a really small, accountable community that's independent like that. And uh, this guy's it's surprising that he's part of such a big organization and he still has the nerve to not be that political. I love it. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, we have a Joe Rogan update because that is something that's in the daily news on a regular basis now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to my nephew's basketball game yesterday. My brother said to me, he goes, have you heard of that podcaster guy, the Spotify? I was like, Joe Rogan? I was like, yeah. So, And this is a guy who's never into the news at all. I'm like, so even you are hearing about Rogan. It's definitely being flooded in our systems right now. Rogan did a stand-up show in Austin, Texas last night where he talked about some of the recent controversy surrounding him. Now, the news media coverage on this is that he returned to the stage to mock the controversies. First of all, He's been performing stand-up comedy. He's not returning to the stage from a long absence just specifically to mock the controversies. He performs, and when performers perform, they go up and talk about what's going on in their lives. That's just what stand-up comics do. And according to what they say that he said, he said the exact same stuff that he said in that video. If you watch that video, the things that they quote from his stand-up show are exactly what he said in that video. Yet... When he put that video up, the same news outlets reported it as Joe Rogan apologizes for racist comments, yet he says the same thing on stage and they report it as Joe Rogan defiantly mocks the controversies like he's some horrible person. It's just stupid how they report on him. But that but I wasn't. Think, okay. I think we know that Rogan is serving a purpose in the larger scheme of things. Like Whether he wants to or not, he is. He's being. Oh, yeah. I'm not way. saying yeah. he's knowingly doing it. He's certainly not knowingly not doing it. He's certainly not saying, you know what? I'm distancing from all this shit. I'm going to take my podcast and go home. He's not doing that. But when you see Peter Thiel on both sides of the Spotify and the Rumble thing, and I mean, it's just not believable that that this isn't all part of why they elevated him. And maybe they elevated him so that they could neutralize him the way Assange like gets you to to give him all your whistleblower stuff and he gets to to censor it then. Whereas Cryptome does not. Possibly. The interesting part about it was he did a Q&A session during the show, and he was asked whether he would accept Rumble's $100 million offer to move his show to Spotify or to Rumble from oh, Spotify. Cool. And he said, no, Spotify has hung, hung in with me inexplicably. Let's see what happens. That's what they reported him as saying. I did not personally see the show. Right. I'd say it's pretty explicable. <laughs> yeah, I would, too. I would, too. Oh, and he called it a political hit job on his podcast yesterday. He said these judgmental, unforgiving Fs, it's a political hit job that they're conducting. Well, like. he can say whatever he wants, but a hundred of his shows are gone. That's true. You know, so, and they'll they'll be forever gone. Right? So, you know what I, I mean? It's just uh, censorship. It is. Okay, so did you see the trend on Twitter, the Adidas trend? 
No. This is an interesting trend if you haven't seen it. And I want to get your thoughts on it because I want to see how effective this marketing is. In marketing, there's something called newsjacking. You've probably heard of it. Newsjacking is when an advertising company recognizes a social media trend and they connect whatever brand they're pushing to that social media trend to get some social justice virtue points on towards their product. It's a lot of ways you see these Gillette commercials about the sh- what was the shaving commercial with Gillette and about his toxic ma- masculinity, stuff yeah. like that. That's like a cultural newsjacking thing. I think something similar is going on here because there was a guy, a pastor, who a couple of days ago tweeted that women should like under no circumstances be tweeting photos of themselves exposing their breasts or in high cut dresses or thirst traps. Basically, he was criticizing thirst traps. And this went viral on Twitter What's for some a thirst trap. A thirst trap is when a girl would hold up her phone and be like, hey, look at my new haircut. But her phone is really just like pointing at her boobs. Right. So it's designed just to be sexual in nature. And. This pastor t- tweeted that, and of course, there's all these responses saying, ah, here's me in my brawl. How dare you? Which I'm thinking, wow, this guy is really smart. If you want to get girls to <laughs> show their boobs on Twitter, that's what you do. You tell them never to do it. And now I think that at first I was a little suspicious. Why is this account of this random guy going viral? Now I think I know why, because I think he was probably a plant working with Adidas. And here's why I think that. Adidas trending today because their new ad which says this in the tweet, we believe women's breasts in all shapes and sizes deserve support and comfort, which is why our new sports bra range contains 43 styles, so everyone can find the right fit for them. Explore the new Adidas sports bra collection. Hashtag supports everything. Now, this tweet is accompanied with an image of 25 topless women bearing their naked breast, or as Jezebel calls it, an all-inclusive photo of 25 sets of breasts. Are some of them transgender? That was the first thing I looked for. I was scouring them for the transgender breast. I don't think any of them were. They were just different shapes and sizes and different colors, very inclusive in nature. And they paired this, at least in the trending and in the articles about it, with this is in the aftermath of the tweet from the preacher from wherever he was saying women should never do this. Well, Adidas has responded, and they've responded by showing 50 boobs. Right, which they just... Whipped up overnight, I'm sure. Right. That's exactly my point. That's why <laughs> yes, it wasn't a response right. unless they also were working with the guy and they had right. those boob pictures already yeah, I think you're, together. You're so right. would that How be nice. an effective ad? I'm sure it's beautiful. I know, but I'm what, the, the whole idea is that your boobs are different shapes. Uh, women wear bras that don't fit them. If you fit well, one Well, if they these- tell you to click on the, the boobs that remind you of yours and then show you which broadware that would be super effective if they had an interactive function this would be a yes. good ad interesting let's hope their next ad campaign is not for jock straps <laughs> like you could you could put your cursor over it and you know how like when you do a quick view and it'll show like the person wearing it and then the person not wearing it so it's like the thing on the hanger and then the thing with the with the person inside yeah yeah so if they did that for the yeah, that's interesting. Anyway. They should if that <laughs> that would make this a useful instead of a social justice type because it's it's dividing people on social media. Yes, yes. No, I like it. I think it's great. I think breasts are beautiful anyway. Like I just it's it's when they're going out of their way to make it divisive or like I remember when I was young, maybe fifteen or something. I went to this to France with my sisters and we were just 
shocked because the beaches are topless. Now right. you can't like even walk up to the to the soda stand without a top on. They they're super strict about that. Yeah. But on the beach, you're topless. Yeah, I've seen these protests of these beautiful women who are naked protesting some issue. It's usually a progressive issue, and I'm going, who's against this? Who's yes. opposing this protest? And it's, and it's like in in France. I remember. I don't know if it's still like that, but it's kind of normal to have that kind of thing in an ad. Yeah. And and you just didn't like freak out about it. It was kind of normal, but it wasn't like gross, smutty strip club stuff. It was an ad for whatever, Nivea skin cream or something. Yeah. So I was I was fine with it. I don't like. Yeah, I, I like I like I like human bodies. I think they're nice. Very interesting. So there's more to talk about, if you can believe it. But before we get to our deepest dive of the day, where we try to get to the bottom of how folks can not work and still spend during the pandemic, I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the XR. Off with their heads takes on a whole new meaning. And is your avatar a slacker? Before we get to all that, let us give a big shout out to our friends and awesome, unbelievable sponsors, best sponsors we ever had, True Hemp Science. I just love their stuff. I love they have the highest quality CBD products. There is absolutely no way you're finding higher quality CBD products. What variety? It's unreal, including fun stuff, but really like the purity of the oils are amazing. I like the nano emulsified one. I think he even puts turmeric in it because it actually tastes good. And I just love that one. That's my favorite. And he's got different numbers on each one. So you're never going to be confused once you find the number you like. He can tell you what different things have different qualities. We did a uh, a video with them, with him and our friend Aviva, who did the documentary Hempdemic. And we also put it in the feed, but... He explains all this stuff about how there's raw CBD and then um, like the not raw stuff and how that affects what you might like it for anxiety or relaxation or energy or however. And people who are familiar with it understand how it works. If you're not familiar with it, he can tell you about the products. He's not going to tell you what to use. He doesn't give out advice, some medical advice or anything, but you can communicate with him. If you go to truehemscience.com, give him a call, set up an appointment. It's really fantastic. If you're a massage therapist or uh, have other professional uses for it, I think that he is your guy. And I absolutely am a true believer. I really, really am. So I swapped out my glass of wine every night for a few drops of CBD, and I love it. So that's how you can support our supporters, and you can support us as well. On We have three actual ways that you can engage with us and our community and get the all the XR materials. So you can go to patreon.com slash propaganda report. You can go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report, and you can go to propreport.locals.com. So each of those, you will get your DNBXR every day uh, that it's out, and you'll get extended release interviews and other premium content. Each one has some special features of its own. Rockfin is just an amazing, amazing deal because you can see all the exclusive content from all the other creators there. It's just amazing. You can get our deep dives there. Locals has a great social scene plus live streams. Binkley has live streamed this week at Locals. Is it today? Yes, right it is. Right after this show. Okay, great. 
7.30 Eastern time. And if you make it, I don't know if you're interested in this, but if you make it free, then people can watch it and then only subscribers can interact with you, but they yeah. can watch it. Okay. So if you can figure that out, it's a little tricky sometimes um, to do that particular thing. So that would be cool. And on Patreon, we have disappearing patron parties, patron only Q and A's. We have we are having a Zoom party on the nineteenth of February. That is going to be really cool on emotional wellness. So if you want to engage in that, you can become a patron saint just for. A month and engage in that. You could, if you're a Rockfin subscriber, you can become a patron saint for basically the same price as a patron saint for patron saint plus Rockfin. So just email me at the propaganda report podcast at gmail.com. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot of ways to enjoy our extended content, our premium content, and also to support us, which we would really appreciate. It is, um, it's a lot of work. It's basically, it's absolutely 100% two full-time jobs. And it's not quite, we're not actually making enough to make that uh, where we can replace ourselves doing other things. So we have full-time jobs at home as well. We would really appreciate the support. Yes, most daily shows have massive production teams and a massive budget, and we have neither. So we do. No, we have no research yeah. of Binkley's production. We share the research. I do the marketing and outreach. We just, we split it all. And, and like I said, we also have all the other obligations that we, that everybody has. So we do all this. So you don't have to, you don't have to spend four hours looking through the news every day. Like we do just, uh, you know, if you think about it, contribute what you get for one hour's worth of work a month and we'll do the rest. Now, on to the deepest dive of the day. So here is something that's been, I, I found it in numerous media outlets about the phenomenal household debt increase. Household debt increased by a trillion dollars in 2021, a trillion. It is the biggest annual increase in household debt since 2007. And the numbers are just staggering. I actually had to th look twice because it's it's in trillions and billions instead of billions and millions. That's where we are right now. But it seems like the articles are really muddying up a lot of what's going on here. So this says in the fourth quarter alone, household debt grew by $333 billion. But $260 billion of it was mortgages, if I read that correctly. Now, that the mortgages alone could account for the increase. And they're saying that that has to do with higher loan prices and the fact that people are buying more houses because interest rates are very low. And that uh, there are also auto loan balance increased by $15 billion in the fourth quarter. But still, that's just, if you annualize that, that's just $60 billion. We're talking about a trillion. So it's I think it's almost entirely housing. Yet people are saying... 70% uh, of the people, another record number of people are saying it's a bad time to buy a house, even though they also think that housing prices are going to continue to increase. Now, one expert said, as pandemic protection programs like loan and mortgage forbearance wind down and prices climb and interest rates continue to rise, this new debt burden uh, and cash flow picture may emerge as a source of stress for households. I totally agree with that. And it points out something else that as so these people have locked in high prices at low interest rates. So if they want to move, say, seven years from now, if they want to move, 
the value of the house might not increase at all. That's what happens when you buy when it's really high. Sometimes it takes forever for it to increase at all. And if you wanted to move, if interest rates are higher and how, and you want to take advantage of that would really crash the prices. If the interest rates are higher, you, you have a problem because you would be selling your house and that gets rid of that mortgage at the lower interest rates. And you, it would be hard for you to buy a new house. It would be much higher interest rates. So you have to, you'd have to be confident that the correction in price offsets. So you're going to be taking a big equity loss when that happens. And then there's the other little trick that I fell victim to when I was a first time home buyer. I got a seven year arm. So after seven years, the rate adjusted and it was so expensive and and in it was a provision that I could not refinance the mortgage. I had to sell my house. I had to move because the interest rate got so high and I wasn't allowed to refinance. So I'm cautioning people not to do that. Now, there is this seems to be exacerbating the supply shortage. There's too much demand, not enough supply there. I found a White House document on the White House blog about how there's been this massive housing shortage since 2007 and that it really hits the low end. And I remember in 2007, 2008, 2009, whenever it happened, so many guys who had contract contractors, construction companies went out of business. There had been a bunch of policies in place before that that kind of hyper stimulated them to buy trucks, buy equipment, invest, build houses. Some of these guys never recovered. And the guys who did recover tended to be on the high end and also seemed to be returning to building um, more of the high end stuff. Maybe in their minds, it's if you if you put a million dollars into a house and you're and that's you've got a 50% margin, that's a lot better use of your time than building two $500,000 houses. So the problem is, and I think they exacerbate these issues like the supply chain and everything, the problem is that the government wants to do things to make it, quote, better. And they say the two biggest problems are how localities use their land and they targeted golf courses like, oh, L.A. has 80 golf courses. It's like, you know what? L.A. would just, it, it's nice to have some some land. Some, I mean, granted, I don't have access to any golf courses, but I guess some are public. But it's just, they're, they're taking a hit on that. That's obviously, a lot of people use the public golf courses, but I guess it, it, and it hurts the high end more if they want to get rid of golf courses as elite, you know, capitalist pig crap. I don't know. And they say that the zoning laws, but they're not taught, they're saying zoning laws that have sub suburbs require single family housing and lot lines and stuff like that are no good and they got to go. And I'm even kind of okay with that. And let me just tell you what I think about zoning laws. But but what they do is they subsidize real estate building by um, depressing interest rates, by giving tax subsidies, by by subsidizing infrastructure so that you can build further and further out. And then now they're actually talking about actively subsidizing, actively giving subsidies to build cheaper housing. So what they're really going to do is they're going to urbanize the suburbs and bring all that culture clash. They're going to bring people who are living on the dole. People, when you, when you have people who aren't working, they are idle hands do the devil's work. So you're going to have problems. And I think that's what they are after. And, uh, they want to expand financing for manufactured homes that probably includes those tiny homes. And I just would say that my argument about zoning laws, people would say that you're an anarcho-capitalist. I mean, think about what would happen if you didn't have the zoning laws. But in my mind, 
the zoning laws are a response to all of these subsidies. So if you subsidize every every angle of real estate, of interest rates, of taxes, of mortgages, of um, of even of infrastructure, of even subsidizing the building, what you're doing is you're getting people to take beautiful old homes and rip them down to the ground and start over or make huge developments and all that. But if you didn't have any of that, housing homes would be valued and they're full of, of like marble. And I mean, it's just such a waste to rip down a home. My, my, what I'm saying is just that the zoning is a response to this reckless hyperstimulation and the way taxes and interest rates and subsidies are all meant to change behavior or certainly they have the impact of changing behavior. So I feel like this is a crisis that is being exacerbated. And you know what it's going to make it the absolute worst? It makes it much, much worse is if you impose rent controls. And there's a big movement for that. When you impose rent controls, people will not move out of their homes, their apartments. And not only that, sometimes they'll sit on an apartment when they even get another apartment and rent it through the back door or just leave it empty because it's so cheap over time relative to how much a real rent they just aren't going to give it up. So that exacerbates. So I think they're exacerbating the housing problem and that they're doing it because, again, this is all part of really, truly restructuring where we live, how we live and the infrastructure. Very interesting. They like to cause problems so they can come in and be the solution. Not only that, but they it's there. It's actually the solution they're after. It's not just the I'm causing problems, have a solution. This is that whole World Economic Forum ESG stuff. Yeah. It goes right to your thing about the Miami condo collapse, to my idea about having urban fires all over the place. The previous thing that we used to talk to Dean about, about how they were using the school shootings to make sure that all school buildings didn't have landscaping, didn't have niches. Rosa Quar used to talk about how they want to conform the architecture so that there is nothing, nothing but pure surveillance all the time, no green spaces, no cars. It's. I think this is all part of that. I mean, I know that was a long story, but there was a lot of information in there. And, you know, just think about it. I will. We got some shout outs today. Yep. I've got a shout out um, to our friend from Ireland. She says, I totally look forward to the Zooms, especially the next one. They genuinely keep me smiling for days afterwards. I thought that was super, super nice. awesome. It's going to be a great one. I think she is going to help us with some of her own tips on how to keep smiling during these tough times. It's not easy in Ireland right now. And she also said, I thought this was nice. Would you please shout out Byron for me? I've never spoken to him. I don't know him personally at all. Although he's been on Zoom calls with her, she must have realized. But anytime you mention stories or questions he's brought forward, I pay extra attention. They're always so interesting and insightful. Some people are just a wonderful addition to any conversation they are a part of. Big snaps for that guy. Let's get Byron That's some awesome. big snaps. Yeah, give some snaps for that, definitely. Yeah, there you go. Well, thank you, all Monica. Right. For your news and insights, thank you guys for listening. You can find the Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content that we drop every time we do a Drive Time News Blast, you can go to propreport.locals.com, patreon.com slash propaganda report, or rockfin.com slash propaganda report and check out what we have to offer there. We will talk to you guys tomorrow or in the DMBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.